0: Welcome to the ASHG Genetically Speaking podcast. ASHG is producing this mini-series as part of their work to support the National Academies of Sciences, Engineering, and Medicines Roundtable on Genomics and Precision Health. In this series, we'll talk to members of the National Academies of Sciences, Engineering, and Medicines Roundtable on Genomics and Precision Health. This is Eli Robertson, your host for this episode. We're going to start the series off by talking with Sarah Beachy of the National Academies and Mona Miller of the American Society of Human Genetics. Sarah, could you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what the National Academies are?
1: Thanks, Eli. I'm really excited to be here today, and I appreciate you having me on this podcast. I'm Sarah Beachy. I'm the director of the Roundtable on Genomics and Precision Health at the National Academies of Sciences, Engineering, and Medicine, or the National Academies, or Academies for short. We're a nonprofit, non-government organization, and our purpose is to provide independent, and objective advice to inform policy with evidence. Our organization's origin actually stems back to 1863 when President Lincoln signed a congressional charter directing us to investigate and examine, experiment, and report on any subject related to science when called upon. So we're really called upon to seek and tell the truth. And that's actually something that's carved in stone on the outside of our building in in Washington, D.C., and serves as a reminder to us there.
0: Thanks for being here today with us. Mona, would you take a moment to introduce yourself and tell us about the American Society of Human Genetics?
2: Sure, Eli. Uh, thank you for the invitation. We're delighted to have Sarah and the National Academies leading this conversation and this podcast series. I am the Chief Executive Officer at the American Society of Human Genetics. ASHG is a professional society. Of about 8,000 researchers, clinicians, and other genetic professionals who are advancing genetics and genomics research and its application to serve the larger good. Our vision is really that people everywhere realize the benefits of genetics and genomics research that our members undertake, and we are celebrating 75 years this year, our anniversary. And even as that is a milestone of history, we're really excited to be talking about the future of genetics and genomics research and its application. And so this is a a great moment and a great series to look at what's coming ahead through the National Academy's Roundtable.
0: Well, thank you both for your introductions and taking time to speak with us today. We're going to talk a little bit about the history of the Roundtable, but before we even get to that, could you tell me what genomics and precision health are and why we should care about it?
1: So I'll I'll jump in first and then maybe Mona can add to add to my comments but I think when the roundtable was going through a formal strategic planning process in 2020 the members really wanted to be really clear as well about what we mean by genomics and what we mean by precision health and so we decided to use the definition of genomics relating to the science and the technologies of studying The structure and the function of the entire genome. And by precision health, we were really looking to think of a broader way to explain and inclusive of precision medicine, how can we be thinking more proactively and taking a more people focused approach to health, relying on individual focused care and thinking about it in that way
2: to better predict, prevent and treat disease. And Sarah, I think from the ASHG perspective, we would say precision health is one of several of the most promising applications and implications for genetics and genomics research. And so the society is very broad-based in in, uh, understanding fundamental structure and function of the genome and also applications. And so it's exciting to be a part of a conversation around this one facet of genomics application in precision health.
0: This was an area that was important enough for the National Academies to convene a roundtable for it. Could you tell us what a National Academies roundtable is, what groups are on the Genomics and Precision Health roundtable, and what the overall goal is?
1: Sure. So roundtables are a convening activity of the National Academies. That means that they provide a means for a variety of different sectors from government, industry, academia, patient groups, societies, and associations, and other groups to come together in a neutral space and discuss issues that are of mutual interest and concern. We really see the Roundtable as a way to foster discussion, to think about the discovery of new approaches to addressing challenges in the field, and it being a spark for collaboration across the sectors that I mentioned. We do all these things, but we do not aim to reach consensus. And I think our mission reflects our role. We adopted the mission in 2020 to bring together diverse voices to encourage innovation and actions that foster the wide adoption of an equitable access to the benefits of genomics and precision health.
0: And Mona, can you tell us about ASHG's role on the Roundtable and why it's hosting this podcast?
2: Sure. We're very excited to be a long-term member of the Roundtable, and as we are primarily the home of the research community, which is very diverse in and of itself, it's been a really important larger venue for ASHG to add and contribute the research perspective to this set of larger questions in Precision Health specifically. In many ways, the society is delighted. As we celebrate these 75 years, we have become the trunk of the robust research enterprise that is now facilitating and feeding a a tremendously diverse range of topics and voices and sectors in genetics and genomics. And so we continue to learn from and draw on what's being discussed in the roundtable, but also to find where can we contribute the unique perspective of research to drive precision health strategies and implementation and innovation forward? And how can we contribute, as we'll hear during the podcast, to questions, cross-cutting questions of diversity, equity, and inclusion in the research enterprise and its implications for the larger health system?
0: It sounds like there are people from many different backgrounds and with many different areas of professional interest on the roundtable Why was it so important to have this broad set of viewpoints? And given how broad these viewpoints are, how are you able to have productive conversations?
1: I think I can start to address that. It has to do in part with the culture that we've cultivated on the round table over the years. We've always said that this is an activity where we really want people to come to the table and be big thinkers and to take off their hat, so to speak, that they wear in their day-to-day jobs and really listen and learn from others around the table. And I think that's been an effective way to think about how we've set the stage for our work over the years. And one that probably began before I even started with the roundtable, um, back when Wiley Burke and Sharon Terry were chairs. But it's also been a long-standing vision baked into our strategic plan now that we want to create an inclusive and optimistic environment for discussion and to learn from both successes and missteps in the field. And I think that really takes some level of respect and trust and
2: honesty from the members to be able to do that successfully. I'm glad Sarah brought up the strategic plan because you're right, Eli, in such a diverse room with so many perspectives and and interests, I think the strategic planning process that the roundtable undertook has really helped to focus the group. And it's really why I think at this point, the podcast is so helpful to share what the subject matter is that the group has decided to focus on and why. And so those four areas that the working groups are investigating, innovation, adoption, diversity, equity, and inclusion, and greater communication and dialogue are the places where this very diverse group said, this is where we need to focus to drive this work forward. And so that's what we're going to talk about in the series, which is really exciting.
0: So this is an area that sort of cross cuts a lot of different professional areas and also what the public may want in their own healthcare and in their future. What kinds of information is the roundtable hoping to share with people and what are the target audience?
1: I'll maybe start with the types of information that we share and how we work, our mechanisms for work. We hold a variety of public discussions like public workshops, for example, in early June of this year, we hosted a public workshop on sequencing in newborns. We've also held webinars, sometimes organized through other organizations, one of our member organizations, like the one that we held in late June with the National Society of Genetic Counselors. We also have internal meetings to discuss business of the roundtable, of course, but we publish proceedings from our public workshops and other types of papers, like perspectives and commentaries, to be able to share our thoughts about the field and areas that we think need to be highlighted. I think the audience has really been an expansion of the groups that really comprise our membership. So those groups that I mentioned earlier, uh, representatives from government, industry, academia, societies and associations, and patient groups, among others. Our, Our workshops and our webinars are open to the public and free to attend. And I think since we adopted this strategic plan, we've been working through one of the groups that Mona mentioned, our dialogue group. To reach those that might not be as familiar with us. And I think this podcast is a great opportunity to be able to reach those who uh, maybe would like to learn a little bit more about us. And we're trying to be more deliberate about hosting events with other organizations like ASHG and SGC that I mentioned earlier. But the audience we seek to reach can also depend on the topic, of course, too. I think the list that I gave is certainly not exhaustive.
2: And Eli, I'll speak to the audience that ASHG primarily serves, again, largely the research community, but of course that spans basic translational clinical research. And many of our members are both clinicians and researchers in their daily lives. And it's really important that researchers have a window in to the conversations that are underway in forums like the National Academies. It provides context for their research, it celebrates and communicates the advances that research is making and how it's engaging the larger policy community and the genomics community. And so we think it's really important to not only be at that table, but to be relaying that information back to our members to inform their work, enrich the research agenda and improve important topics as the round table will discuss. Questions of research workforce diversity, participation in research from historically marginalized communities, setting the research agenda, how we communicate with journalists and others. So our audience is largely the research community, but it's so important that they hear from this larger conversation and join it.
0: So you've both brought up the fact that this is touching everything from an individual patient who may have a vested interest in their particular condition or disease, getting better health care for their future, research ethics, clinical care ethics, healthcare delivery, translational and basic science research. Given all of this that goes into doing precision health, what kinds of interorganizational and interdisciplinary collaborations are going to be needed so that we can start to achieve a vision of precision health?
2: I think, Sarah, you'll turn to this, I know, it's exactly forums like the Roundtable that start to foster those conversations and enable us to take back important work. I will use as an example, the workforce diversity report that the society worked with a number of organizational partners last fall, the fall of 2022, released a really important baseline report that gave us some insight into demographics and preferences and concerns of the genomics workforce. It's the kind of cross-cutting work that is done every day in small ways, sometimes in those larger specific projects. But I think Sarah could speak to some of the really tangible cross-cutting projects that have emerged from the round table over the years. So I'm always confident that there will be a new project or program um, to link all of these important areas of genomics.
1: I agree, Mona. I think that there is a need to work in a very interdisciplinary way these days, and and I think one of the reasons is that genetics and genomics information and data isn't just used by geneticists, and it's certainly used by those working in other areas. And one of the ways that the roundtable functions is to bring together those different sectors and really hear about different perspectives and challenges that people are facing in their own day-to-day jobs? And how could we really shed some light on working together in new and different ways, essentially?
2: One of my hopes is that this conversation, as it reaches the ears of individual researchers, will also empower individual researchers to think about how they can contribute to this interdisciplinary work in their institutions. Genomics is already threaded through schools of medicine and academic enterprises. We have researchers working in industry. And so in many ways, we hope that the Roundtable and this podcast sparks that kind of excitement for individual researchers and curiosity to reach across and beyond their own silos to integrate ever more into this larger set of goals.
0: I think that's a good point that you bring up. So ASHG is going to the trouble of producing this podcast and the members of the roundtable are taking time out of their schedules to talk about the conversations they've been having and share this information. Why do you think it's important to produce this series? And what are you hoping we're gonna get out of it?
2: I'm really hopeful that it will shine a light first and foremost on the really important conversation and work underway in the round table, but that's not an end in itself. It is to continue to catalyze thinking and catalyze community action, both collectively and individually, to achieve some of these goals. ASHG's vision that people everywhere realize the benefits of genetics and genomics research uh, won't happen with one organization, obviously, or, or one researcher. We really need to work collectively, and I hope this communication is one important way to continue work toward that vision.
0: And Sarah, why do you think it's important to share these stories about what's been happening and what work is going on?
1: I think it speaks to the heart of who we are as a roundtable and what we do and really trying to highlight and elevate conversations to shed some light on challenges that we think need to be addressed. And so I think that this podcast also meet the needs of and the, the goals of our work by doing that, by reaching out to different audiences and bringing attention to the work that we do so that we can really further those opportunities to collaborate and bring people together to drive towards solutions in the field.
0: Would you two like to give me any final thoughts for this introduction?
2: ASHG is delighted to host this conversation over the next several episodes you're going to hear from experts, researchers, and professionals all across the field, some of whom are members of ASHG and many who are working in other specialty areas that are so important to genetics and genomics. So it's really going to help shape the conversation, and we hope it'll spark more conversation throughout the field. I agree. I'm really excited about this series and happy
1: that Roundtable members are able to participate and represent the different working groups, the Innovation Dialogue, Equity and Adoption groups. And I hope it gives the audience a little bit more of a sense of who we are and what we do and what are some of the issues that we think are important and that the field faces. So thank you so much again. Thanks very much for having us today,
2: Eli. I'm looking forward to the rest of the series.
0: Thanks for listening to this conversation with Mona Miller and Sarah Beachy. I'm your host, Eli Robertson. We'll see you again on the next episode of the podcast.